Artificial intelligence technologies are revolutionising project management. Be at the forefront of the latest news with Endeavour Program's AI for Project Success podcast, hosted by me, Rebecca Archer, a journalist and media industry professional with more than two decades of experience. Endeavour Program's Executive Director Technology, Kong Kwang, is here on today's podcast. Kong is the inventor of Octant AI, the artificial intelligence technology used by Endeavour Program. He's also the designer of Endeavour Program's data analytics methodology. Kong has seven years of experience in developing machine learning solutions for major capital projects, solutions which have clocked up savings of more than 30 million US dollars for his clients through design optimization and managerial productivity. He also has 19 years of experience on major projects for global resources giants, including Rio Tinto and BHP Billiton. Welcome, Kong, and thanks so much for your time today. Now, if we can start at the very beginning with you giving us a bit of an explanation of exactly what artificial intelligence is. Well, thank you for the very kind introduction. Uh, My favorite definition of artificial intelligence is that artificial intelligence is the ability for computers to both reason and to act. Now, there's a lot to both of those things, but it actually distills the essence of what artificial intelligence is about in very simple ways. And it's really that artificial intelligence is a method by which we train computers and give information to computers to help them make reasons and inferences in the way that human beings might. And the ability to act is then the ability to make sure that they can help other machines to act on that inference and reasoning. What sort of examples could you give us of of AI in our daily lives that we see and we might not think about as being AI technology? One application where artificial intelligence is used extensively is in our navigation when we use either Google Maps or any other uh, map uh, kind of application on our smartphone. So we might say we want to go from A to B and what often powers the, the kinds of results we get are very powerful machine learning algorithms which tell us the best way to get from where we are now to where we want to go. So that's just one example. Uh, we also use artificial intelligence every day when we check our email uh, and that's one of the very earliest examples of AI which is used to protect our our inboxes being flooded with spam and so spam detection is an absolutely critical uh, use of AI that everyone uses every day who checks their email so those are just some very simple examples we use AI all the time when we book flights uh, when we look for hotel accommodation or uh, even when we uh, use our social media so uh, Facebook Instagram and so on where uh, who use artificial intelligence to help us tag people identify other people help us to find contacts uh, and so on and so forth so AI is an absolutely pervasive technology that affects so many aspects of our lives today, but oftentimes we don't even know it's it's happening in the background. And that's both a, a very positive thing, but also a very important point for oversight. You mentioned email being one of the first potential examples. How long has AI been around, I suppose? Mm. 
So it isn't a new technology, but certainly it's a very modern one. Uh, the very first uh, forays into what we would call probably um, today artificial intelligence really began post-World War II, so uh, as early as into the early 1950s, where there was a lot of early collaboration around both computing and ideas from mathematics, philosophy, neuroscience, which was obviously, again, a, a burgeoning discipline back then. And it really enjoyed a really fruitful collaboration from all of these disciplines together, which has evolved uh, over time to today what we would conceive of as artificial intelligence. So it's a very modern idea, but it has gained a huge amount of awareness and traction today, as you can see from uh, the popular media. Are there any particular industries that are really benefiting from AI? Classically, AI benefits uh, from applications where there's lots of data that the AI systems can be trained on. And as it turns out, we have such industries today that are benefiting from AI from a large range of, of sources. So there's the finance industry is using AI to help detect fraudulent transactions, by way of example. Uh, the health industry uses its data to help train artificial intelligence systems to both spot anomalous uh, health conditions, and they can range from cancers through to uh, particular sequences in genes that might lead to illnesses down the track. So industries that benefit from AI are those ones that generate lots of data, and, and it's a specific kind of data. It's data that is high quality and has a label. And that type of application, which is called supervised learning, uh, has found enormous use cases in health, in finance, and increasingly as well in business too. So in terms of project management, what are the advantages that AI brings to that? So a lot of the research that I was able to conduct in Oxford University was around using data to help us improve decision making. And so uh, artificial intelligence has been found to be very helpful in helping us to make better decisions based on huge sets of very complex data. And the way AI helps us in that regard is it helps us to process all of that information in such a way that we're able to make sense of very large, highly complex, highly interrelated, uh, interrelated data sets so that we can make more accurate decisions more quickly. And uh, from a project point of view, we know that projects are very complex. Uh, we know that project decisions need to be made very quickly. And uh, very often they're high stakes decisions as well. And part of the reason I co-founded Endeavour with my business partner was to, was to test that idea that artificial intelligence could help us make project decisions faster and more accurately to help us increase the project success uh, rate in industry. And so what would a concrete example of that be for the construction industry, for example? So we've been working with a major construction client here in Queensland to help them make uh, more accurate and faster predictions around what the final cost is of their portfolio of capital projects. 
And this is a, uh, a regular activity that they take in the business, uh, which is very important for improving project success and therefore business success. So we've used that AI to help them to detect problem projects earlier so that it gives the management team more time to ensure those projects are being successful. So that's a very concrete application of how we're using project data and applying artificial intelligence to that data to help the business uh, improve its profitability and performance. This is a tough question, I realise, but is there a way of putting into simple terms how does machine learning actually work? One of the amazing abilities of machine learning, which Uh, various sectors around the world are beginning to discover is that machine learning can find patterns in data and uh, not just any type of pattern but patterns that allow us to make predictions into the future so machine learning superpower so to speak is this ability to find patterns in very large and complex sets of data and this is something that Uh, has historically been quite a labour and skill-intensive process to do. It requires people with lots of skill and lots of training. What machine learning, along with the huge increase in computing power, is able to do is to harness its ability to find those patterns to help make predictions from data. What made you so interested in AI? Is it something that you have always had a curiosity about potentially as a kid or what, what skewed you into that area of study? I guess my first exposure to artificial intelligence was during my university studies as a mechanical engineer. Although, interestingly enough, it wasn't called artificial intelligence at the time. It has only recently been recognised as such. And uh, those very first forays were in what is now called machine vision, actually. The other interests have come from the opportunities to apply machine learning during my work and uh, certainly to a great extent that's what has helped me to be able to help generate those savings for for clients over the course of my career. Uh, So I've been very fortunate in that regard to have really been able to apply some of this machine learning along the, the path of my journey. And my latest studies allowed me to consolidate a lot of that practical experience into a much stronger theoretical and intellectual framework. And how popular is it as a course of study? And also, I suppose on that, what type of career advantages are there for people who might be going into that field? One of the things that I've been noticing is that the field is becoming very popular because of its ability to be delivered via very novel um, forms. So whereas in the past, one would have to take on a very specialist mathematics or computer science degree, what I'm finding these days is that there are lots of different forms that people are using to get artificial intelligence training, and very often for free. So Uh, It's becoming much easier and cheaper to get an AI qualification. And what that's meant is uh, lots more people are able to start studying it. And it's developing in such a way that it's becoming not just a specialist area of knowledge. It's now getting to the point where there are lots of providers who are making it a much more general type of degree or, or certificate. And so in terms of the advantages it offers, it's becoming a much more general field of knowledge. And because of the reasons I mentioned before, it's becoming much more popular in usage as well. So I only see AI become even more widespread and even more ways to actually get knowledge and experience in it. There is quite an exciting, almost futuristic feel for a lot of people about the notion of AI. And that's no doubt because of its portrayal in popular movies and science fiction books over the years. 
But I, I'm curious about how far away you think we might realistically be from embracing this on a wide scale in our lives. So there's a, a wonderful professor of computer science out of the University of Washington, and he wrote this, this great book called The Master Algorithm. And, and in this book, he actually answers this question quite, quite directly, and he says, well, artificial intelligence is already such a, an important part of our lives and we're using it pretty much every day in ways that are not obvious to us. For example, I gave some examples before. So I think we as a society, uh, both here in uh, Australia and around the world, are already using AI in, in ways that we hadn't anticipated even 10 years ago or even five years ago. So it's already pervasive as a technology. I think we're finding lots of different ways that AI is beginning to work its way into other applications in society. And I think that that has quite rightly caused a lot of people to reflect on how do we best govern AI? How do we best see it being put to use in such a way that it benefits humanity and how it benefits society? And this is something that as a practitioner, I'm also very interested in as well. Is there adequate regulation at the moment around this or too much, too little? What's your take on that? I think that's a very vital and important question as well. And there's a huge amount of work being carried out by all sorts of organisations, governments, NGOs, private think tanks, charities and universities, of course, as well. And I think that the issue of uh, oversight of artificial intelligence is one that is a very prescient one. It's one that a lot of these organisations are taking very seriously. There are certainly uh, some very powerful uses of AI, but there are also some uh, very important limitations and, and even potentially some areas of where AI can be used that won't benefit society unless it's governed well. Uh, and a perfect example of that might be bias in data. Uh, so it's important that I think when we as a society and as a, an organisation of, of people, of citizens that are trying to promote the use of AI, that we do so in a, a well-informed way. And um, it's important as well that we can understand uh, the limitations and also the, the strengths of AI and go into conversations with, with that in our minds. In terms of, I suppose, who's leading the way in AI, are there any countries that, that come to mind or even global organisations that you would put front of mind as being on that real front foot? And how does Australia stack up in terms of innovating around AI? Well, I think there are a few ways to think about how do we, you know, who is cutting edge and who's leading the charge when it comes to AI. And if we think about uh, which countries are perhaps being the most innovative, I can't help but think about some of the theories that Michael Port has put forward from Harvard Business School around, you know, which nations or which countries have competitive advantage and how does, what does that mean when applied to AI? And, uh, you know, artificial intelligence requires plenty of talent, uh, requires plenty of research funding, new business incentives, lots of data and country capabilities in developing associated technologies. So it's, it's a bit of a package. The first countries that come to mind when we're thinking about innovation and thinking about who's leading the charge, uh, the US and China are clear front runners in that regard, just simply because they have so much capabilities in all of those areas. 
And if I turn to my mind to how Australia sits in that sort of spectrum, we, according to sort of those ideas from Professor Porter, we just don't have the scale in each of those areas. And so according to, to Professor Porter, one of the ways that we could attain that kind of AI leadership um, is to specialise. And as a perfect example of that, the CSIRO has recently uh, released its AI roadmap for Australia. And in it, it, it makes some recommendations around how uh, we as a country can be AI leaders. And, and so they talk about sectors like healthcare and aged care, smart infrastructure and mining and uh, precision agriculture, where Australia has a quite strong national advantage compared to some other of our neighbours, and and, and even, dare say, on the global stage too. So Australia, in my opinion, just to reflect on the CSIRO work, can become AI leaders by finding specialties it can leverage onto the world stage. We just don't have the population base uh, to be able to compete with the US and China on those other areas I've mentioned. But I think that if we can find our niche, we can really make ourselves shine. There seems to be a challenge in the cultural shift that can often be required in bringing people on board. Uh, And I'm specifically thinking about any potential fears or myths that might exist about AI replacing human beings in traditional roles. There might be areas of society that, that experience a pushback when it comes to that notion or that idea. How tough is it to try to educate people about the reality of AI and the potential for what it can do and how humans can actually be integral to that process? Mm. Now, that's a great question, and it's a very topical one. I think there's there's probably two parts to it, and, and one part is addressing, I guess, the, the notion of this fear arising from a replacement or a swapping out of human labour with robots. So that's one aspect of the question. Uh, And the second question is, you know, how do we communicate this so that people can feel more comfortable or or at least are better informed about the potential for this? So I'll I'll talk to one and then the second. So from the first point of view, is it actually even possible for human labour to be replaced by uh, robotics and AI? Some work has been done uh, by these two academics um, out of Oxford University, Freya Osborne, who released a paper in 2013, uh, which is now very well cited globally, which at the time reported the the somewhat startling statistic that up to 47% of jobs in the US were at risk of being automated away. This uh, statistic has been cited many times since, and other work has also sought to replicate that finding. What has eventuated out of that is that the jobs that are most susceptible for automation, the ones that involve a lot of routine, the ones that uh, are quite repetitive in nature, and these have been identified or associated with the jobs that have a very high labour component. Uh, on the flip side of that, jobs that have a high level of creativity or a high level of human empathy have the least chance of being automated away. So their initial findings in 2013 um, have been replicated in, in many studies since. And essentially the, the crux of, of, their, of these studies show that jobs that have a high uh, human and social component are very difficult to be replicated. And these are the jobs that have tended to be the ones that are least susceptible to automation, whereas those that involve lots of routine, lots of repetition, that involve lots of uh, quite short, direct physical motion, they're the ones that are likely to be heavily watered away. So there isn't 
any real question that automation can automate some parts of some jobs. The, the real question then is, well, uh, which jobs are being affected and does that lead to, you know, is there, is there a basis for some of these concerns? So I think that to address the second part, you know, how do we help to communicate to people the effects of artificial intelligence on job automation is to be aware of the current state of the work around job automation so as to understand that some jobs are affected but not all jobs and not in all ways. And so I think part of it is being more informed about what the actual implications are. And the second part then is around having robust conversations around how we go about transitioning those, those people and those communities and those groups who are affected by automation into new kinds of work or into new kinds of job training that can help facilitate a transition if their jobs are going to be impacted. And so there's a, um, there's a swing away from just a conversation focused on all jobs being automated to being targeted about let's support those jobs that are likely to be susceptible to automation and supporting those people into new transitions where they require it. In terms of your Octant AI technology, what do you think the, the future holds for that? Is that something that is going to evolve and change? Are you constantly working on new things and cutting edge designs? How does the sort of outlook for you exist in say five to 10, even 20 years? As it relates to Octant AI, one of the things that's very exciting for us in being involved in uh, artificial intelligence technology is that it's a constantly evolving field. So we have very clear intentions in regards to what we want the product to be. Uh, but I think it's incumbent on us as a high technology firm to constantly keep abreast of what the, the innovation is doing, what the industry is doing, what our cl clients want and what the market is doing in response to changing and evolving demand. So I see Octan AI as being a company that's continually investing in our research and development, that's constantly improving its products, but um, in a targeted way. And so what that means for us in five years' time will be a, a growing set of customers where we've tested and demonstrated the technology, uh, incorporated uh, leading-edge uh, artificial intelligence approaches, in collaboration with our technology partners out of the Oxford uh, University of Oxford, and the incorporation of new features and learnings that that we're experiencing, witnessing in both academia and in industry. So, in five or ten years' time, with Octan AI, we certainly see the product evolving to harness the uh, most recent trends in artificial intelligence technology that apply to the projects industry and there are many fascinating developments that we're very excited about to keep harnessing there. As it relates to artificial intelligence more generally, um, beyond Octan AI, again, there are some fascinating developments that are, are really quite exciting to watch. So, for example, quantum computing, whilst that's many, many years down the track, uh, there are many people in academia and in industry who are very excited about what quantum computing can bring to AI. And Australia has uh, some very strong capabilities in quantum computing. So that's very exciting. All right. Well, Kong Kwang, thank you so much for your time. It's been fascinating. I think we've all learned so much. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much. 
You've been listening to Endeavour Program's AI for Project Success podcast, offering insights and analysis on the impact artificial intelligence is having on project management.